0: All right, let's continue in the book of Esther this morning, and we'll be in chapter 5. Remember, Esther has found out about the plan to kill the Jews, and initially she was not willing to go to the king, but when she was challenged by Mordecai that she would be included in that slaughter, she changed her mind and said, okay, I will go. And then she called for a three-day fast, and now the three days are expired, and she is going to go before the king. So we're going to look at the first eight verses of chapter five this morning. Esther chapter five, and starting at verse one, it says, "And it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel <coughs> excuse me, it stood in the inner court of the king's house, over against the king's, over against the king's house, and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house, over against the gate of the house. And it was so that when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? And I will, and it shall be given thee to half of the kingdom. And Esther answered, If it seem good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto a banquet that I have prepared for him. Then the king said, Cause Haman to make haste, that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the king said to Esther at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition? And it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? Even to half the kingdom, it shall be performed. Then Esther said, Then answered Esther and said, My petition and my request is, if I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it please the king to grant my petition, and to perform my request, let the king and Haman come to the banquet that I shall prepare for them, and I will do tomorrow as the king has said. So we have here Esther giving her request to the king. It says, All I want you to do is come to a banquet. He comes to the banquet and he goes, so what do you want? he says, well, I want you to come again tomorrow. So there's, as she approaches the king, there's five things that I want us to see. First, I want to see Esther's bold approach in verse 1. Esther's bold approach. And then in verse 2, we'll notice Esther gains favor. Esther gains favor. Our third point in verses 3 and then repeated in verse 6 is Esther is granted grace. Esther's simple request is the fourth point found in verses 4 and 5. And then in verses 7 and 8, our conclusion will be Esther's prudence. You and I need to learn to trust God for his timing, his leading, and his wisdom. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, thank you for your love and goodness to us. Lord, as we study this passage this morning, I pray again that you give us wisdom and understanding. And Lord, help us to trust you in all things. And Lord, 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 may we learn that your timing and your leading is always perfect. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now, remember, she had to ask Mordecai to gather all the Jews and to fast for three days and not to eat or drink night or day. And so she said, I will do likewise. Now, at the end of three days, she doesn't say, well, now that I'm famished, I need to wait longer before I go to the king and come up with all these reasons and delays of why she can't do what she said she was going to do. But she went as soon as the fast was over. When it's time to act, it's time to move, and you and I need no longer delay. Now, when God says wait, we need to learn to wait. But when it's time to go, it's time to go. And so we need to learn to follow God's timing on things. And sometimes, I believe, we Christians tend to either run ahead of God or lag behind, and we need to just follow and be with his timing on issues. It doesn't always have to make sense, but we need to just remember, she had spent three days fasting and praying. Now, don't you think as she's fasting and praying that she's asking the Lord for his guidance, his wisdom, his direction in this whole matter? Well, I certainly hope that would be part of what she's praying during this time. And so she goes in the strength of the Lord because she had been praying for his direction. Proverbs 3 5, and 6 reminds us trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. There's the problem. We tend to lean on our own understanding. Well, Lord, this doesn't make sense. I got it figured out for you, so let me do it my way. Instead of just figuring out, just following the Lord. And verse 6 says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You see, when we've had a time, boy, this floor is really squeaking today. Let's move. When we've had our time with God in prayer and our communion with God, it will embolden us to stand for him. Because remember, She had even told Mordecai, there's a law that says anybody who enters into the king unannounced, it is death for them unless the king raises his golden scepter to him. And I haven't been called in 30 days. So what makes you think, Mordecai, that I should be going before the king right now? So she realizes, if I'm going to go, I need to be taking time, asking God for his wisdom, his guidance, his direction. And she does so. And then she says, okay, it's time. Christian, I don't know if you've had those experiences that you've been in time of prayer and you have a real hard situation to face. I'm not saying you still don't get those butterflies in your stomach, but you have a confidence, a boldness that you just can't explain. That's what comes from God that gives you that boldness. And sometimes he even gives that calm assurance that you don't even have the butterflies anymore. So it says, Now it came to pass, in the third day, that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. Now, it makes sense that she would put on her royal apparel because she's going to go stand before the king. And so to take every measure possible to gain his favor makes complete sense because yes, this is her husband, but he's also the sovereign of the land. And so she needs to make sure she's taken every opportunity to be accepted in his sight. Jamison Fawcett and Brown says, it is not only natural, but on such occasion, highly proper and expedient that the queen should decorate herself in a style becoming her exalted station. We live in a society that really could learn a lot about being appropriate in the way we dress. I worked at Walmart for 14 years, and I don't understand the people that get out of bed and come to Walmart in their pajamas. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Now, I have broken a habit that I had for years because my dad had instilled it in me that you don't go shopping in jeans. Actually, I've been wearing jeans more often. It doesn't make me more of a sinner. It just makes me, I guess, fitting in more with society. But there used to be a day where jeans were work clothes. Everybody remember that? You didn't go shopping in jeans? Now you got your nice jeans, and some people even wear them to church, but whatever. We we become more casual in our society but the truth is, folks, is there are certain times and certain ways to dress appropriately. When I go to Raleigh with the preachers on, well, Tuesdays anyhow, whatever Tuesday, once a month we go up there, all of us wear coats and ties. You know why? Because we're going to meet our legislators. And guess what they wear all day? Coats and ties. So it's appropriate to dress dress appropriately to go see them. I forget what team it was several years ago and several presidents ago. They showed up to meet the president in flip-flops and shorts. Remember that? Okay, if you're going to see the president in the United States, don't show up in flip-flops and shorts. I'm going to pick on our mayor for a moment. I always pick on him because he shows up to city meetings in flip-flops and shorts. And he showed up one time in jeans and a button-up shirt. I said, wow, Will, you dressed up today, you know, And because it it was for him. But I personally, when I'm sitting there, I want to be dressed up. You know why? Because I'm representing the folks of Havelock. I want to do it appropriately. There's a topper way to dress. And so I don't know why it always ends up being a fight with people about dress, but it is. But... I think I just gave you several examples where you all agree, yeah, there's a proper way to dress, right? But you know, let's apply this to we approaching our king. We can come boldly to his throne at any time. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may, may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, when we come before God, we need to come respectfully, not brashly. Not brazenly, but we can come boldly because he is our father, but he's still our sovereign. And so we can come to him as a child comes to his father, but we still need to have the respect of who God is as we approach him. In verse 2, then, we have our second point, Esther gains favor. And it was so when the king saw... Esther the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter. Now, I don't know all his reasoning, because God does not give it to us, but perhaps Ahasuerus thought of Vashti that refused to come when he called her, and the resulting loss, and not willing to face that loss again, extended the scepter. But whatever his reason, he did it. But I believe God was interceding, don't you? That's what the important part is. Proverbs 21:1 The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and the rivers oh, as the rivers of water he turneth it whithersoever he will. God intercedes on behalf of his children. God still intercedes for you and I Christian. I can't tell you the times of my life that God has worked in situations and he's softened, softened hearts, he's, he's worked in others, You know, whatever the case may be, but God intercedes. But remember, she had spent time fasting and praying before going. She didn't just presume that God's going to help her. She went to God and asked for his help. But it says, So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Now that is a sign of humility, and showing that she has a petition, she goes and touches the top of it. So she's not coming to him brazen, saying, Hey, I'm your wife. Of course, I'm allowed to be here. No, she goes as a, a humble servant, if you will, saying, I have a request of the king. She remembered her place. And again, when we pray, you know, we bow our heads and close our eyes, unless you're driving, please don't. But it's to recognize that we are humbly bringing our petitions to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we need to remember that, that, you know, why do we do what we do when we pray? There have been times when I pray that I will lay out flat as, as though I'm before the throne of the Lord because I want to remind myself to whom I'm addressing. Who am I addressing? So she found favor with the King. And again, Applying this in our relationship with God, we have favor with God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, the wonderful thing is I don't have to earn favor with God. He already loves me and he's already demonstrated and proves his love toward me. And so many Christians trying to live their life as though, oh, I need to do this because if I don't, God's going to zap me. Listen, God's not a mean ogre in heaven waiting to zap you. Now, he will chasten his children when necessary. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God is a God of love and a God of mercy and a God of grace. And he's already demonstrated that he loves you. And what we need to do then, Christian, is to live for him with a life that is holy and pleasing to him, not because we're trying to earn his favor, but in demonstration of, Lord, I can't demonstrate enough to you how I love you and how I'm thankful for what you've done for me. So here I give you what I have, which isn't much, but it's all I have. You know, some people, again, act like God just doesn't love certain people, but the Bible tells us that he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And Christian, you and I need to have that same heart toward others, realizing that all need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. All need to come to repentance. All need to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And yes, God does love them. I told you before of a co-worker I had when I worked at Walmart. His name was Pete. And Pete was a very hard man and... I forget the whole conversation now, but I remember Pete telling me that he was going to make God hate him. And I said, I got good news for you, Pete. You can't. God already loves you. He goes, I'm going to make him hate me. He just, he just had such a hatred in his heart. I said, you can't, Pete. He already loves you. He already died for you. So Esther, she approached boldly. She gained favor which is mercy, by the way, that she received not being killed because the law said she could be. So he showed her mercy. But then beyond that is grace. She was granted grace. He did not treat her as an offender. Mercy was extended when he lifted the scepter to her. Grace was granted by offering to grant her request. Because remember, grace is unmerited favor. So beyond just saying, okay, Esther, I acknowledge you're here. We're not going to kill you. Go your little way. He says, what is it you desire up to half the kingdom? Well, that's quite a promise. I want half the kingdom. Okay, well, I just promised it to you. I guess I better give it to you. No, that's. But the idea being is anything reasonable, I'm willing to give it to you. He repeated it once in the court and again at the banquet later that day. So it's in verses 3 and verse 6 that he says, I will give you up to half the, even to half the kingdom. Now I'm glad God hears and answers our prayer, but it's not always according to the way we ask it, but he always answers according to his perfect will. And you know, sometimes the best answer to our prayer is No. And sometimes the best answer to our prayer is, not now. And Christian, you and I need to learn that God always has what's best in mind. So when God says no, he's not doing it because he wants to be mean to us. He's doing it because it's what's best for us. And so when he says no, I should be just as thankful as when he says yes. Right? But God is the God of grace. 1 Peter 5.10 But the God of all grace, who hath called us in his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish strength, and settle you. Again, we come to the throne of grace. We saw this already in Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the help in time of need. Matthew Henry puts it this way, he says, Esther came to a proud, imperious man. We come to a God of love and grace. She was not called. We are, the Spirit says come, and the bride says come. She had a law against her. We have a promise, many a promise, in favor of us. Ask, and it shall be given you. She had no friend to introduce her or or to intercede for her, while on the contrary, he that was the King's favorite was her enemy, but we have an advocate with the Father in whom he is well pleased. Boy, what a contrast between her entering into the king, Ahasuerus, and we coming before the King of kings and Lord of lords, coming before the very God of this universe. You ever think of that? Every time I come to God, Jesus Christ is my advocate. You know, there are times in prayer, I don't know what to say, but the Bible says the Spirit will groan in utterings we can't, we can't know. that. In other words, he takes what's in your heart and he interprets it and tells the Father, this is what he meant to say. What a great God we have. A God of grace. A God of mercy. And folks, we need to remember that. And we need to remember again, he's the God who's in control of all things. Look. I stopped watching the news. So I'll be honest with you. I'm not up to date on everything going on. I got tired of the news because it doesn't matter what news source you watch. They still want to give their spin to it. Nobody wants to just give you the facts anymore. Everybody wants to tell you what to think about it. And I will say this, and get mad at me if you have to, I don't care, but conservatives are just as bad about it as the liberals are. On the conservative news, half of them are telling you what to think about the news instead of just giving you the news. Whatever happened to good old Walter Cronkite just giving you the facts and then shutting his mouth? And if you don't know who Walter Cronkite is, well, then you're young. Do you know who that is? I'm looking at you, Ashley. No? Okay, I didn't think so. Go do a history lesson. Look up real (laughs) journalists. But folks, I will say this, and I do try to somewhat keep up with what's going on, but I really get tired of the negativity all the time because it's easy to get wrapped into it. And not that we shouldn't be aware of what's going on around us, but folks, I want to rely more on God and trust Him. He's still in control. And you know, it it seems like even so many times Christians getting all, all bent out of shape. It's like, well... Did it ever occur to you, none of this has ever occurred to God? You know, he already knows, folks. We need to live our lives graciously. One thing I do notice happening in our country, and it's accelerating faster and faster and faster, and that is the fact that we are becoming a divided nation again. Now, I understand there are two different ideologies in our nation. And one is taking us down the wrong road, and one is a proper ideology. But you know what the problem is, is both are so set in their ways that they're not looking at the fact that we are Americans, and we better figure out who we are together, but we are becoming more and more polarized in every way. And then we see all these other ways in which the world is becoming more and more polarized again. I mean, we have, you know, Black Lives Matter, and then we have the... uh, you know, so we have black and white again, which I'll be honest with you, didn't we get over that at one point? Or at least we we're really working on it. And now all of a sudden it's like it has to be all stirred up again. And then we have the anti religious crowd becoming more and more spoke, outspoken against those of us who believe in God. Matter of fact, I've never had so many people that. As I see nowadays, referring to it as mythology and fairy tales and a crutch and all this other stuff, it's becoming more and more polarized. Everything we do is becoming more and more polarized in our country. And so, Christian, if we go along with that and we stand there on our side and we become all polarized on it, are we really helping win people to Christ? You know, we need to show a life of that is gracious. Now, I'm not saying compromise, okay? I am not a compromiser. And there are times when there's a hill to stand on, and I'm going to die on that hill. But even then, can't we do it graciously? Can't we do it in saying, you know, here's where I stand, and here's why I stand here. Not, you're all wrong, I'm right. Well, give them the reason why. Because, you know, thus saith the Lord, is still an answer, even though they don't want to hear it, it's still an answer. And it's still the right answer. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, saying, well, that's dumb, you're stupid. What are you, nothing but a moron, you just need to be saved. Well, that's really not going to help your point, right? But say, you know what, I can understand why you think that way, because I think differently, because God has taught me through his word that this is what God expects from us. But without God, I could see how you think that way. And let me tell you, God has helped change my understanding of the way he views the world and wants me to view the world. And maybe there's a better way of even saying that. but then I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get at is there's a better way than, hey, dummy, that's a really dumb way to believe. But why don't you get saved and then you'll figure it out? Then we have verse 4 and 5, Esther's simple request. You know, she didn't barge in there and say, all right, so here's the the deal, king. This clown right here wants to kill us all, so fix it. No, she's not hasty. She didn't blurt out that the Jews are going to soon be killed. But she says, can you come to a banquet and bring Haman with you? Again, Matthew Henry says, What is hastily asked is often hastily denied. What is asked with pause deserves to be considered. Have you ever noticed that? You have in your mind something you want, and so you go to your boss and you say, Hey, here's what we need to do, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, No. And you're like, You didn't even think about it. Well, did you ever consider maybe part of the problem is you were very hasty and coming in and just throwing this out there? You follow what I'm saying? Sometimes taking a little time and you say, come on, preacher, that sounds really deceptive. It's not. But she says, let's go to a banquet. Let's have dinner. Because why? Because a way to a man's heart is through his stomach, right? That's what everybody says. So she doesn't do it just once. She does it twice because she figures, I really want to get to this guy, right? No, that's part of it maybe. But truthfully, She's trying to show her humility and her approach to him and try to show how she respects him and his time and his position. And so she's trying to really soften him up, if you will, before she brings this request to him. Proverbs 29, 20 says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his word? There is more hope of a fool than of him. So she invites him to this meal. And then she invites Haman along. Say, well, why would she do that? Well, let me ask you a question. Who is the king's favorite? Haman. So, if you're really going to try to soften up the king, bring his favorite guy. Plus, who's the guy who wrote the decree to kill all the Jews? Haman. So, if you're going to make an accusation, why not bring in the ones you're going to accuse and say it to their face instead of behind their back? So, I think she had a twofold reason because, so, hey, king bring your best buddy along oh that's cool yeah because he's also the clown that i'm going to point out here eventually okay because folks here's something that really irritates me oh pastor you need to pray for so and so because they're doing blah 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 well have you gone and talked to them about this yet no i figured that's your job well no no it's your job because you're the one that knew about it. So you brought it to me before you went to them, so why are you doing that? Right? She's going to make an accusation, or not an accusation, she's going to state the truth of what he has done, but she's going to, she's going to say it while he's there, not behind his back. Why is it we got so easy to talk behind people's back, but we won't say it to their face? There should be nothing you can say behind somebody's back that you're not willing to say to their face. Right? And so she was willing to tell Haman to his face. By the way, I am one of those Jews, and so we need to fix this. So verse 5, Then the king said, Cause Haman to make haste. Come on, go get him ready. We're going to a banquet today. Esther said so. So, they show up to the banquet, The king is sitting here dining and he says yet once again to Esther, so what is it you need? What is your request? Up to half the kingdom, I'll give it to you. What is it you desire? She shows great prudence in verses 7 and 8 in delaying yet another day. Now, there's a lot of speculation. Why did she wait another day? Did she wimp out? Well, I don't believe that's the cause. Because why would... She spent three days praying, and I believe that God had given her the boldness to go approach the king, so now that she's there, why... I mean, how hard can it be to finish the job? I mean, I understand it's difficult, okay? Been in difficult situations, I get it, but God gives the grace to do it. The hardest step is usually the first step, is what I'm trying to say. Right? I've heard preachers, when they're given an invitation, you know, and they're trying to encourage the lost to come forward to get saved. And they say, the hardest step is that first step. Take the first step and the rest of it's easy. You know, usually that is the truth. The hardest thing is just taking that first step. And she had already done that. So perhaps she did not want to be pressing the king and wanted, him, um, <clears throat> wanted to show him great honor. In other words, she didn't want to just You know, okay, now you're here at the banquet. Now I'm going to throw this on you. But she wants to continue to show how much she honors and respects him. So she says, would you come again tomorrow to a banquet? Bring Haman along, and I will tell you tomorrow. Now, you can't keep this going on forever because that in and of itself becomes annoying after a while. But the point being, and and again, you can't think like a 21st century American. You kind of have to think of their setting. This is showing great honor to the king. And so she wants to show great honor to the king a second time before bringing this request to him. Because remember, this is the same day within hours of her approaching the king unannounced And so sometimes it's best to give a little bit of space. You know, sometimes people, when they sleep on things, are a little bit easier than they are when it just happened, you know, because... Remember, there could be some of his advisors whispering in his ear. She came in unannounced. You know, I can't believe you had raised the scepter to her. You look at the precedents you're setting. I can imagine some of the guys in the courtroom setting this up for him. You know, hey, you know, this is just as bad as Vasti. She didn't come, and you, you you divorced her. and Now this one walks in, and you just raised the scepter to her, and you know. Everybody's just going to think that they can walk in here, king, and just get whatever they want. Blah, 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 blah. You know, all this going on in his ear all day long. And so sometimes it's just best to wait a little longer. Right? I don't know the reason. You know why? Because God didn't record it. But can I say there are times when we need to be aware of the situation and aware of what's going on in, some, in their lives and realize this may not be the best time to bring this up. Somehow, I believe she was aware that this isn't the best time. Let's try this again tomorrow. Now, I'll tell you what I do know. Somehow, some way, God put that in her heart because in the rest of chapter five, we're given what happens that night when Haman goes home and he's like, oh, well, first of all, when he walks out of the palace, he got his chest puffed out bigger than it ever has been as he's walking home. And this is all something we're going to look at next week, okay? But then when he walks by Mordecai and Mordecai refused to bow, he's like sitting there like a whipped dog and gets home and his wife gives him some terrible advice. But all that plays into what's going to happen on tomorrow. You see... We need to be able to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. I don't know what prompted Esther to say, let's wait till tomorrow. Other than I do know somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit of God impressed on her heart, wait till tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be a better day to handle this than today will be. And we need to be able to say no. The problem is, is we live in a society that pushes everything needs to be done now. Do it now do it now. You know, you go buy a car. Well, you know, if you come back tomorrow, this car may not be here. Well, then it wasn't the one I was supposed to buy. You know, well, if you wait, this house may not be here. Well, actually, truthfully right now, that actually is the case. Okay. Houses are going on the market in the morning and sold in the afternoon. It is incredible. But you know what? If it's your house, God wants you to have, it'll still be there tomorrow. If God wants you to wait till tomorrow to buy it. Do you believe that? Is he in control or is he not in control? So here Esther shows great wisdom, great prudence in saying, okay, we're going to wait till tomorrow. Because that night is the same night that Haman had the gallows constructed, the ones that he's going to swing on tomorrow. God used this whole thing to set the stage for the next day. So you and I need to learn to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And this is where sometimes we go wrong is we're like, no, this needs to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with today. And we run ahead of God. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. So we need to be willing to follow God. He will answer prayer according to his will. Trust him. He already knows the outcome. He already knew that this night would be the night that Haman's wife gives him the advice, had the gallows built, and, and, and uh, Haman makes the order right away, has, has the thing constructed so that it's ready by the next day, hoping to put Mordecai on it, but it ends up being his own gallow. That's pretty... Who says God doesn't have a sense of humor? Psalm 37, verses 4 through 5, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, Esther may have gone to bed that night saying, I don't understand, I really wanted to get that message to the king today. I don't understand why I had to wait. I don't know if she did or not, I don't know. But I do know this. Somehow, some way, God impressed it on her heart, and she followed and obeyed God, and said, "We're going to wait till tomorrow." And she found out tomorrow was a much better day than that day to handle this situation, because you all know the rest of the story. So I'm not giving anything away. The following day, Haman ends up on those very gallows that he constructed. Would have that happen if she had told the king? At this banquet and not the next one. Well, the gallows weren't built yet, so it would be kind of hard (laughs) for him to hang on them, right? Now, could have God still intervened and still taken care of it? Yes, but you know what? The way God wanted it done was for her to delay and for Haman to hang on his own gallows. Sometimes, Christian, we need to learn to wait. And be patient. Now, it's interesting, because I just said at the beginning of the message, we need to act when it's time to act. And she was. It was time to act, and she was acting. But when it came down to the end of the banquet, God said, hold off right here. And sometimes that's how God still leads in our lives. Okay, it's time to move. Okay, stop for just a second. All right, now you can move again. We don't know why, but he does. But we just need to be following the Holy Spirit's leading. Right? Because remember, He's the one that knows what's going to happen. He's the one that already has the future. He already knows. So you and I just need to simply follow step by step, day by day. Don't run ahead of God, but don't lag behind. So Esther approaches the king. She did it prayerfully, respectfully, humbly, graciously, and willingly. She remained humble and patient even while she goes in before the king. Even while she has this banquet, she followed the Lord's leading and was willing to delay the request until the right time. I can't help but wonder. Can I just imagine for just a moment? Word gets out among Shushan because... Gossip is nothing new and gossip always spreads faster than anything else, right? So could you imagine somebody saying, oh, the queen didn't do it. And that spread among the Jews that night in Shushan, oh, the queen didn't do it. Oh, the queen didn't do it. What a traitor. I bet you she's not even planning on helping us out. I bet you she's just in there having a having a having, you know, living up to high life. You know, I don't know if these things are being said about her, but could you imagine possibly these type rumors flying about the queen? Let me tell you something, folks. When you make a decision to serve God, the world is going to talk bad about you. Let them. Okay? Because you're not going to change it. But don't let it change you and your desire and your, your commitment to follow God. Because I don't know if there were rumors, and I don't know if any of them ever got back to her, but even if they did, it didn't change her course because she knew that she was doing the right thing. And when you know you're following God and you're doing the right thing, don't allow people to get you to waver. Continue to be steadfast. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, again, thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you for the example of Esther and how she was willing And if it would have cost her her life, she was still willing to go before the king.